Hey guys, what's going on? It's your boy Dale here, host of the Black and Blue Podcast. Before we get started, I want to apologize to you, the viewers and listeners of the show, as well as the guest, Chief Jeffrey Yarbrough, for the audio quality at the beginning of the interview. You can hear some echo artifacts in the Chief's audio from around the 227 mark all the way up until about the 30-minute mark. The issue was corrected after that, and the rest of the one-hour-plus interview went off without a hitch. I just wanted to put that out there for you guys because I know you guys expect nothing but the best audio and video quality from the Black and Blue podcast, and that's not entirely what you received here today. Please continue to be a patron of the show, and I'll continue to do my best to keep putting out the best-looking and sounding content. Thanks again, and enjoy the episode. And some people think that when people are screaming, they think that it comes from a place of anger, particularly when, you know, some people don't know culture. And when you and I, if we're sitting face to face and we're talking, we're, we're riding, we may be talking loud, we may be laughing, we may be pointing, and we're not mad at all. But, but those that have not been exposed to our culture may look at us as being aggressive, violent, and we're none of those things. We're disgusting. We're passionate. And that's the difference. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. I don't know what this world is coming to. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast. A discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. What's going on, Black and Blue fam? Welcome to the latest episode of the Black and Blue Podcast where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. If you don't know me by now, my name is Dale. I'm the host. Thank you for checking out the show. And if you know me already, thank you for coming back. I really appreciate the support. Please continue to support the Black and Blue Podcast by dropping by the show's YouTube channel and clicking those like, subscribe, and bell icons. And if you're listening to my golden voice on your favorite podcast platform, please rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars if you deem it worthy. And lastly, please be sure to check out the Black and Blue Podcast social media pages. You can find us everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so today's guest is the Chief of Police of the Round Rock Independent School District Police Department in the great state of Texas. Everybody, please welcome to the Black and Blue Podcast, Chief Jeffrey Yarbrough. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Dale. How, How are you? I'm excellent. Excellent. I know we spoke off air about it being hot out here in California. I mean, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's still summer. starting to wind down. It was in the, in the hundreds, the triple digits today, so I'm dealing with that. But other than that, I'm alive in, in another day here on this earth. That's it's all good. How you feeling out there? Oh, I think, oh, I think. 
doing great. great. I mean, yep, yeah, another, another day above, above ground, ground is a day to be, day to be, be thankful, thankful for. for. So, um, so um, I definitely I understand. understand here in Texas, Texas we've gone through the same heat wave, and it's been cooler this year than normal. We have only reached about 101 degrees as opposed to 108 to 110. So it's been really good in Texas so far. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you. Glad to be here. All right. So I mentioned you are the chief of police of a school district, of an independent school district. Uh, Why why don't you tell everybody uh, what that school district is and where you guys are located? Well, I'm the chief of police police of Round Rock Rock ISD Police Police Department. Department. I'm actually the inaugural inaugural chief of police. So I started the police department here, and and I was very fortunate fortunate after a national national search to be selected as the first chief of police for Round Rock ISD Police Department. There was a national search conducted, and there were over 40 extremely qualified applicants who applied, and God saw fit to show my show skill my sets and my ability, ability and show and how show I was the right fit for this organization. organization. We're, we're just north, just north of, of the city of Round Rock, or of the city of Austin, and our and district is unique. We're about 51,000 students. We have about 7,000 employees, and we're, we cover about 110 square miles, and we have about 57 campuses. And what makes our district unique is that we have schools in the city of Round Rock. We have schools that are outside of Round Rock in Williamson County. We also also have schools schools in Travis Travis County, County, and we have schools in the city of Austin. And historically, we were served by multiple agencies. We had the city of Round Rock. We had Williamson County. We even had Austin Community College serving us at some of our campuses in the district through a process of several years going through a safety security task force. And after that process, the board decided that it would be in the best interest of the district long term when it came to safety and security to start our own police department. Yeah, I mean that that's unique in today's day and day and age where you know they actually wanted to start a, a school district police department where you know nowadays a lot of departments are not uh, are not having those 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 same uh, uh, things that where where their district will, will allow that to happen. In fact, they're you know taking away their budgets and taking away their personnel. So and it's a good thing. How how long has uh, your district been been around as a police department? Um, we, um, started, we started, I was, I was selected, selected as, as the chief of police, police August, August of 2020. 2020. So we so just we hit just our one-year mark. We were one year old. And the development of our department and the creation of it, the decisions, weren't without the challenges because there was a climate and a segment of society that did not want police in schools. And that created some tremendous challenges. And it and caused the district, the district to look, to look for, for other options. Other options and, when and when those options were exhausted, exhausted the, best the best solution was, was to start our own police department. We had, we had uh, in uh, fact, some, some of our law enforcement partners, partners had given, had given a, a, a notice, notice to the district, to the district that, that they would be pulling out of the SRO program, and they gave them ample time to come up with a long-term solution. And this was the common and byproduct of that. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole confluence of circumstances helped out on, on that decision right there and the implementation of that. So it's a good thing. How many, how many sworn is your, how many sworn is your department? 
Well, currently we're at 31 um, officers, and that provides us the bare minimum that we need to provide the coverage at every one of our high schools, our middle schools, and a patrol sector a section that provides coverage at all of our elementary schools. They provide the day-to-day patrol and response and react um, as a react team to uh, critical incidents that may occur at elementary schools. All right. How many, how many high schools do you guys serve? We've got, We've got um, five, five traditional, traditional and, and two, two non-traditional. Okay. Oh, why? Wow. Yeah, you guys, you guys got it all, seems like, there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And since you've been there since 2020, what would you do before Round Rock? Well, well, I actually, I actually started, started as, the as the director of director safety and security, security for Round Rock ISD. And, um, and, um, but prior to coming prior to Round Rock, Round Rock ISD. ISD. I was the chief of police. I was the inaugural chief of police of Bastrop ISD. ISD. I started the school district district police department there in Bastrop. Bastrop. Uh, So Uh, that was that was you the man to call to start out a department. Yeah, you the man to call for (laughs) starting up a department, huh? Well, I tell you, well, I tell it, you it, 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 is, it is, is a unique, unique privilege. privilege. It really is a really unique privilege to, to have that have opportunity, opportunity to, 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 to invest those skill sets and, and that training and experience in a manner to, to develop, develop school policing. Because, because again, again, school policing is not the same as street policing. And you, with your experience, you know very well that you have to have the right temperament, the right mindset to serve students. Because here in Austin, I know some some of the listeners may know of Austin, and you know about downtown Austin, you've got six streets. Well, I usually tell people that you can't police six grade the same way you police six streets. There has to be a different mindset. There has to be a different approach. Because our environment dictates our tactics. And we have to recognize that we're dealing with with, with children, children, with adolescent, adolescent uh, uh, immature, immature, reckless, reckless behaviors, behaviors, and we can't, and we can't look, at look at those as we do, we do adults, adults on the streets, on the streets who, who, because these because kids have these kids never even grown up, they don't know they don't what they don't, they don't know. And, and if right. you criminalize their behavior at the onset, the onset it creates a lifetime of challenges, challenges for them. So you have to have a different mindset when you come into a environment, as you well know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because right now I'm assigned as a as an SRO for one of our high schools in my police department. And yeah, it is totally different from when you're out on the street and, you know, I've worked task forces, you know, uh, major crime task forces and and uh, CSAM uh, task forces, uh, child uh, uh, child sexual abuse material task forces. So I've done all that. And it's, it's a little it's a little different. You know, dealing with adults and and dealing with uh, you know kids that, like you said, they're still developing and and don't know what uh, they know right from wrong, but you know they still yeah. make yeah. mistakes as as we all did at that age. Absolutely, Absolutely. and you know when you, you know, think, when you think about, about uh, the, experiences the experiences that you're you're, you're talking, talking about and the experiences that I've had, had. Uh, prior to working at the Bastrop ISD, I was a I worked for the Travis County District Attorney's Office where I worked in the Public Integrity Unit, and before that I was a Chief of Police, the first first Chief Black Police Chief in the city of Tulia. And some people may know about the history of Tulia here in Texas. Years ago, there was a a gypsy cop who went to Tulia and, and arrested, arrested about 10% of the black, of the black population and said that they were, they were uh, selling him dope. dope. And, and <laughs> as the as cases the went through and, and um, were adjudicated and investigated, all of these people, these people were, were, were arrested, arrested and sent to me, were sent to prison. But as the investigations unfolded, it was determined that some of the people he claimed sold him dope 
And at the time that he had the the time stamps and the evidence evidence received, received, some of these people were actually actually had produced produced receipts receipts of when they were were in in Oklahoma Oklahoma City City at a bank. bank. So, (laughs) and so it was it was learned that he had created falsified these cases over the over the time that he was there to elevate his his credibility, but to destroy the lives of others. So I was the first black chief police in the city of Tulia, and I was there a short time, and I was promoted to assistant city manager and chief of police. And before that, I worked as a senior investigator for the state bar of Texas, where I investigated cases against attorneys, filed against attorneys in the state of Texas. Prior to that, I was able to, I was very fortunate to have worked for the Texas Attorney General's Office, and I was assigned to work at major crimes, and so I worked somewhere around 100 plus homicides during my time at the state. Yeah, yeah, and now, you, now you're working in the school environment, and you see the difference between, you know, like you said earlier, you know, adult offenders and juvenile offenders, and, and the kind of nuances you got to deal with there, so... Yeah, we appreciate you, you know, all those experiences. We appreciate you on that. And, you know, it, it, it's, interesting it's interesting, too, because, because when you think about the experiences, the experiences that we have, that we have you, you know, when you, you start, start out the gates, you know, as, a, as, a, as, as, a, as an officer, when you start you out, out as a police officer, Sikkim is something that we love. You know, when they tell you Sikkim, you go get them. And you build your street cred. That's the way you're geared. You train to build your street cred on the number of arrests you make, the number of citations you issue, the number of drugs you find, the number of weapons you find. In school districts, that mindset has to be totally totally different. different. And I tell people all the time, time, any school police officer can be a patrol patrol officer, but not every patrol officer can be a school police officer. That part. It's a specialized area of law enforcement. Yeah, it is. It is. And you mentioned earlier about the the Tulia, city of Tulia, and and the other places you've been. What what sort of demographics do you guys have in in Round Rock and, and the other cities that you serve? Well, well, interestingly, in the city of Round Rock, Round Rock um, um, the, in Williamson, in Williamson County, County, and in our school in our district, school the, district the, the, the demographic is probably is about 9% African American. It's about 17% Asian. Asian. Um, it's um, about. It's about 28% Hispanic. Hispanic. And, so and so it is a it diverse, is a diverse population, population that we serve. That we serve. The beautiful thing about it is when I became the chief of police, I I said, I'm going to approach the hiring process very objectively. I made sure that I involved a representative from our equity. We have an equity task force. I wanted to make sure I had a person that was part of the equity task force on the hiring board. I also had, our department is very unique. I have a behavioral health services department inside the police department. And to my knowledge, we're the only school district police department that has I have 10 social social workers that work inside inside my police department department, that work alongside my officers so that we can can address the critical critical, uh, issues that students are are dealing with when it comes to social, emotional, behavioral health issues. issues. So So I have those people people a part part of the interview interview board. board. At at this point, we've got approximately what's so interesting about 30, 30, I would say 32% of our department department is black, black, 32% of our department department is white, white, 32% of our department department is Hispanic, Hispanic, and about 4% 4 of our department department is Asian. And that wasn't by design, design. that was just just creating creating an objective objective hiring process and hiring hiring panel panel that that 
look for look the for most qualified, qualified person. person. And when you, and when you, when you'd be amazed, amazed at the number of officers that come that out, out as the lead and as the top when you have a, an objective process rather than going in and looking at other other issues you know some people will look and say well this guy is tactically sound and and he form a SWAT and so they'll look at that person and bring that person in but that person may not align with the direction the vision and mission of your department so when you look at the demographics in our in our community and you look at the demographics in our department we fall exceed, exceed um, uh, when it comes when to it diversity, comes to what, diversity what, what the national standard, standard is and what, what the standard, standard is in our in our in our environment. Yeah, I'm glad you, you covered that because I was going to ask you uh, if, if when you're looking for you know lateral officers as opposed to new officers, you know, and and you pointed that out officers that are you know tactically sound and have done you know all these different sorts of things, does that really, you know, uh, is that conducive to a school? law enforcement type of officer or setting and and it may not it may not it may you know because you know obviously you know officers are there for for critical incidents and things of that nature but all your all of our officers are, are trained we would hope to be able to handle those incidents but on a day-to-day basis relating to the to, to the kids out there um you want an officer and you need an officer that that can do that Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're looking for an officer that's diverse, not only in in, 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 when it comes to diversity and and cultural cultural experiences, but you want an officer that's diverse in experience. experience. Um, Um, Having an officer that has spent 20 years as a SWAT SWAT team member, you know, he may not he may not be conducive to what you're looking for in a school district. It's like it's like. You know, you, you may know, have the best have drill the best sergeant in the Marines, Marines who retires. Who retires. Does, does that does make that him the most effective, effective second grade teacher? Grade teacher. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, right. And, yeah. And you're yeah. Because, because you're geared different. different. And so you have to look at many factors, factors when you decide who you're going to bring into your school settings. Because at the end of the day, we have to recognize that we're protecting and we're responsible for the most valuable assets that any family, any person has. And that's the children. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when I work narcotics and you work narcotics, when you work narcotics and you go into a drug house and you, you breach the door, you throw a flashbang in, you could care less where that flashbang lands. If it blows up the flat screen TV, it blows it up. But you can't use those same tactics in the Smithsonian. And so, right. so my point with that is you can't use the same tactics that we, that we use on the streets in a, in a, in a, uh, a school setting because, again, the, the, the clientele that we serve and the, and the valuable asset that we serve in our students deserve so much, so much more. Yeah, no doubt. And also on the flip side, you, you also don't want an officer who's thinking that they're going to go to your department to kind of retire on the job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, you and, know and, 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 and what one thing what that we thing do is we make sure that we lead by example. example. <laughs> If I'm up yeah, working work patrol at night, night uh, from, from 11, 11 to 3, 3 because, because I may not have something on and I'm answering night calls, calls. guess what? Guess that, what? If, if I can do I can it, don't come tell me you can't do it. And you're looking for officers that have that 
next, next year. year. Because, because if you're looking to retire, this isn't the place to retire because our kids deserve so much more. If you're looking for a place to where you can grow, you can develop, and you can learn, this is the this is the place to be. And in a school setting, it is that. I do presentations around the country, and and, and sometimes I'll talk about, uh, and, and we'll get to it about the police school policing model that I created. But I talk about. Um, um, when I talk about, I talk about the, type the type of officers, officers that we're looking that we're for in school, school settings, settings and, I'll, and, I'll and I'll ask, do you think do you that think I'm saying that we should have fluffy and furry officers? And some people and some say people no, say and, no. I say, and I say, well, I'm saying well, yes. I'm saying yes. Because, because if you're going to be an officer, you better have some sheepdog sheep in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, so, so right. you got to have somebody that's got some sheepdog in them that's going to protect those kids. And anyone that's going to fear the sheepdog has to be the wolf, not the kid. And so that's that's one of the things. It's making sure that you're hiring officers that have that ability to protect these kids with everything in them. But at the same time, know how to protect them in a way to where they don't feel threatened and intimidated. They look at us as the superhero and super shero, not the boogeyman. No doubt. No doubt. I love that. I love hearing that. So tell us a little bit about you. What, what, what was your journey in the law enforcement, where'd you come up? Are you from Texas? What's your story here? I'm from the I'm oldest from the town oldest in Texas, Texas Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches, and it's in and it's deep East Texas. Texas. Uh, you know, you know um, the, uh, the name was so unique that we had to learn to, to spell it in a song. In a song. Uh, so <laughs> my, my, parents my parents are from America, from America. and and interestingly, my dad. Do, do you remember? Do you remember the song? Oh yes, sir. I remember the song. I mean, otherwise I couldn't spell it. Okay. Okay. That's kind of like uh, Mississippi. We had to learn how to spell Mississippi with that M I cricket letter, cricket letter I cricket letter, cricket back, hump back, hump back, hump back. For real. I know. I know. So I'm from Nacogdoches. My dad is a. He retired. He's a retired. He's a retired police officer there, but he is actually the elected constable there. My dad was in law enforcement about 25 years. Retired and came back and ran for constable. And so now my dad's a, he's a minister in Nacogdoches. He's a, an elected constable. My brother's a minister in Nacogdoches. And he's, and a, he's chief a chief of police of a school, school district. district. And, um, and I'm, I'm a chief of police here in, in, in Round Rock. So, so I think, you know, sometimes I tell, you know, people ask, well, how did you get into, why did you get into law enforcement? I always say that it's not a profession. I've learned, historically I thought it was, but I've learned it is not a profession more than it is a calling. I think I was called to serve and it was, it was my destiny to, to become, to become a law enforcement officer because, because, Professions, Professions like, like this, this need people, need like, people us. like us. And, and because, because we're dealing we're with, with people like people us like every us day, day, and we have, we have that opportunity and the responsibility, which is a heavy responsibility, responsibility to make sure, to make sure that, we that we are creating, creating an image, image and a legacy, and a legacy that, doesn't that doesn't disproportionately impact, impact people, people, particularly black, brown, brown and, and um, students who are uh, disproportionately impacted or, or mo most marginalized. But we're creating opportunities where they have the opportunity to succeed, not creating the historical traps that we've seen in law enforcement in some places, in some cases, that have set traps for us to fail. Right, right. Yeah, I understand that wholeheartedly and then so you know your, your dad was already in law enforcement are there others in your family that were in law enforcement too or how, how did they how did your mom feel about you getting into it 
You know, my, you know, my, my dad, dad um, was the first in our family to join the law enforcement. Um, um, you know, it, it, was it was interesting coming out of school, 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 you know, with my dad being a police officer and being a minister. I always said, you know, with the role model that I have in him, if I, I've got three I've got options, three I either go to jail, I go to hell, or I become a cop. So that was one of the reasons I decided to become a cop, you know, is because growing up poor, you know, and my dad and my mom were separated. They they then they ultimately divorced, and there are five of us. So my mom raised all five of us, my brother and my three sisters and I. Um, um, on a salary of about, about man, she's man, probably she's making probably 30, 40 dollars, you know, or maybe 140 dollars a week, and um, rent was 50 dollars a week, and you know, so get, get growing up in that environment. I remember when we first moved, when they divorced or separated, we first moved into the hood. I remember, I remember the very first kid I met in the hood asked me the very first question. I was 10 years old. Asked me first question: Have you ever stolen anything? And the only and thing the I remember at that time stealing, stealing was, was a watch out of the Fruit Loop box in kindergarten. You know what I mean? Right. But you learn fast. Because you're exposed to a lot. My mom, she was, you know, she was, oh my goodness, she was one of those ladies who, there are times you have to, you know, she got $3 and so you're buying a loaf of bread, you're buying a dollar's worth of bologna and some cheese and she's making sure all five of us are eating the food she did. My mom was one of those who, those who she grew up she in an environment, environment where, where struggling was the way of life, but, but she would she do without to make sure we had. And, and, and um, um, when I, when I she, she, she supported, supported everything, everything we did because, because she felt she like, felt and like, my dad and my was dad the same was way, he was like, if y'all don't do better than we did, you failed. And my mom was so proud, even up until the day she died. One of the things she said, and I'll never forget, the day she was dying, we were around a bed, she said, she said, she said, Mama just Mama wants y'all to, to know, Mama, thank y'all. Mama, thank y'all so much for what y'all have done. I mean, you know, when you think about that, that your mom is proud of you and you've seen the struggles and the rough side of the mountain she's gone up. Oh, man, you know, and, and growing up and seeing that, that's why it made it more. It's like you got to do everything you can to make that woman proud, to make that woman's life as long as you had life, making her life as easy as you possibly can. So, you know, you know, when you grow up in the hood, you know, you know, you grow up hard, but you grow up good. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. you know what is important. And that's why, you know, you and I both and a lot of officers know that this this uniform, is all it is, is an opportunity. It, just, because just because we've got this on, it doesn't mean our hood passes we hope. You know, we still got that. We still right? back there because it's in us. You know, tomorrow, if I lost everything, I can still I can go still back to third street and I can live. You know? Yeah. Because, because yep. that's that that's my that's foundation. My and so, so my mom was just like my dad, my dad and others in my family, my family just like just like you know, up until she up died until she and even family now, now. They're very they're proud very of the fact that, that we became the roses born through the concrete and got out of there. Yes, yes indeed. Didn't forget where you came from. Family. Family. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, what, what's your family life like right now? Um, you know, uh, my, family my family life is, life is fine. I, 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 live, I, live, I live, like I said, I live here, I live here in Round Rock, and my, I have a brother that lives in Pflugerville, which is just the next town over. Um, I've got a daughter who lives in a little small town not far from here, and um, 
she lives um, with her, her mom over in another town, and she's grown up and she's a court recorder, so she's done really well for herself. Okay. Another son, my son, um, passed away uh, in 2019. Uh, 2019. Actually, he passed away 10 days after I started my job in Brown Rock. And, oh, wow. Sorry uh, to hear that. I'll tell you. I know, but you know, but you know, God is good. God is good. I'll, tell I'll tell you why. You know, it's, you know, it's, you know the no, most days, and you know, in law enforcement, we get calls. And so I was, I was at work one morning. My son called me, and he, he was, he was actually going to school at night, or he was going to school during the day and working security at night. And so he called me one morning. It was actually about seven forty-five in the morning, and I was in, I was meeting with some people, and and so I called him afterwards, and I said, "Hey, what's going on, Banjo?" His name is Brandon. And um, he said, he said, "Hey, Dad, are you in Austin?" I said, "No, no, no, I'm here working. That's what you got." He said, "I've got a flat tire." And so, um, so um, I said, well, I where are you? He said, I'm at my job. So so I went down there and I got there. He was sleeping in his car. And so I knocked on the window and he woke up. And for some reason, you know, I had I had this feeling when I looked at it, I felt real sorry for him. I felt sorry for my boy. And so, and uh, so uh, I asked him, I said, do you have a jack? He said, no, sir, I don't have a jack. I said, okay, well, I got one in the car, car so I, I told him to get his tire out of his car, and I'm in a suit at the time. And so I and so asked him, I said, I said, well, go ahead and get the tire out, I'll go ahead and jack it up. And again, I'm in a suit, so I jack his tire up, his car up, and I'm changing the tire. And, um, and um, after I finished, after I finished we, we stood there and talked for a little bit. He said, well, Dad, I'm going to go ahead and take this, take this tire over to a discount tire and get it fixed. Said, all right, well, I'm going to get back to work. I love you, boy. And um, he hugged me and he said, love you too, Pops. Later found out, as I pulled out of the parking lot, a minute and a half after I left, his boss said that my son got out of his car, took a step, and collapsed right there on the scene. And that's where he died. And but, yeah, but but you know but, you know you, you look at you things, look things in life and you can say, say oh, my oh my goodness you know I, I could have I so, could much, have so regret. much regret I would have had regret if I had not gone. gone but yep. I have so, so much thankfulness in, in me that, that the because of because of the because of the opportunity that I had to the last time anyone ever hugged him was me the last person he ever hugged was me the last person I ever heard he ever heard say I love you was me and the last person he ever said to me that's that's absent of him that's something that's that, something that, 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 that motivates, motivates me and keeps me going, going day after day because, day because I had the opportunity. And I didn't, and I didn't let work get in the way of going and going taking care, care of what my boy needed. needed. So, so, you know, you I know, thank God for the time I had with him. And I know he, I will see him again. And, you know, I will do the work here until I get there. You know? Amen. Amen. Wow. Love that. Love that. Sorry for your loss, though. But that, you know, that's a great, wonderful story. Wonderful story. So, uh, you know, 2020, you know, and, and all the way up to today, um, I don't know how it is in Texas, you know, with the with the COVID. And that's what I'm getting at. Um, how's the COVID affecting you guys in the schools? Uh, are the schools fully open? Are you guys doing any mask mandates? For, uh, you know, in the, uh, how's all the, the, the COVID affecting the students and the staff within uh, Round Rock and your surrounding area, areas that you guys service? COVID, COVID has, been, has a, been a, it's one of the most, the most unique, unique situations, situations and, and, and uh, events, events that, that 
not only have we in law enforcement had to face, but we as a community and as a world. I mean, this is something that has literally changed the world. And trying to cope with it and trying to adjust and modify your your practices to align in ways that keeps everyone safe is extremely challenging. Um, here um, in here Round Rock, Rock um, uh, we're no different than different places than around places the country. Around the country. In fact, around fact, places around the world, where you're, when you're having the outbreaks in in some states, you're having the outbreaks here, and when you're seeing the numbers increase and with the Delta variant, we're having those same challenges. Where um, we have students, we have staff members who are contracting COVID. I've had officers in my department who've had COVID, and with the breakthroughs that have that have occurred with the with those that are vaccinated, um, we've had officers, we've had staff members, we've had community members who have been negatively impacted by the COVID uh, pandemic. Here in Texas, we have um, a, uh, we don't have a mask mandate and we don't have a, vac a vaccine mandate. Um, you have school districts that have, uh, and, and that the governor's order um, prohibits um, public entities and school districts from mandating masks. Um, there are several school districts, including, including Round Rock ISD, that made the decision to mandate masks because of the number of outbreaks that have occurred here inside Round Rock ISD. So it is a challenge and people are trying to find the best way to navigate this to uh, make sure that we're providing the safest environment. We're creating the safest uh, practices and procedures so that and systems and, and, and educational process so that students can get the best learning and the most uh, effective learning outcomes possible given the circumstances. And I'm talking about a literally a grave circumstance that we're dealing yep. with in this country and this community. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, kids, they, they needed to come back from that, uh, that distance learning, at least that we did. And you can see all how it affected them, you know, emotionally and, and academically as well, you know, because a lot of kids, they, they need that one-on-one -on -one instruction, as we all, <laughs> I, I know I did. I, I would much rather have the one-on-one the -on -one in-person instruction as opposed to, you know, distance learning. But, uh, you know, that hopefully we're getting through that and, and the kids are, are getting better for it because uh, cause that distance learning, well, let me tell you, <laughs> but my, my kids, you know, I had a couple, uh, I got one that's still in high school, senior, and then one that uh, graduated right during the pandemic in 2020. And uh, uh, let me tell you, he, he didn't have a senior prom. He didn't have uh, the traditional graduation. You know, he didn't have all these things that, you know, we took for granted as, as high schoolers and, it is what it is. He's moved on. He's in college now, and hopefully he'll get a he'll get a traditional, traditional graduation experience there. But they just opened up. This is you know his wow. first year, his first year in college was all distance learning. So, wow. yeah, they just wow. opened up. It's been so, a challenge, and, and you know, yeah. and it's amazing though when you consider the challenges that people are facing, that you can still find some people with the smile. You know, it's yeah. you know some people are struggling. It's like. When you consider the weight that's been on this world, the weight that's been on this community, the weight that's been on law enforcement, even, you know, during the George Floyd incident and the challenges that law enforcement's facing and continues to face, the challenges that communities have faced and continue to face, even in the midst of all of the, the tragedy, in the midst of all of the frustration, the anger, the 
mood swings because we're seeing the political climates change and move from one end of the pendulum, the pendulum is moving one end of the spectrum to the other. It's amazing and it's sometimes refreshing when you can find somebody that doesn't have the mask on and you can see that smile because it lets you know in yeah. a lot of ways there's still hope. There's still hope, yep, and we need yeah. that interaction with one another. You know, we can see our faces. Sometimes we, you don't want to see the other person's face, but... <laughs> But, you know, it lets you, lets you know that you don't want to see the other person's face, too. So you, you still need that, <laughs> yeah. too, right? Exactly. Still need that, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you brought up uh, George Floyd and, and all those things that happened in 2020 as well. I mean, 2020 was a mother, let me tell you. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, how, how do all those things affect your department as far as, you know, funding, people uh, requiring or not requiring, but uh, asking for officers to be removed from schools. I know you talked about, you know, you had some pushback when you were trying to uh, implement your department. Uh, some people didn't want officers in the schools. How, how did all that play out back then and all the way up to now? Well, interestingly, I'll tell you this. Um, when the George Floyd incident happened, you know, watching that was horrific. For some people, it was horrific because it occurred in the open. It occurred... Uh, uh, on camera, it occurred to a black man who had, who was putting up no fight, who didn't deserve that. For me, it was horrific for that those reasons, and 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 plus the fact that I knew George Floyd. I actually worked a case, and George Floyd was a person that I'd interviewed um, actually back in 2013, and um, got a chance to know him from. Um, the case that I was investigating, he was, he was a, uh, uh, not a person of interest. He was a, he was a person that was a potential witness and getting a chance to see that this was a big dude, but at the same time, this was a big dude who, who had a big heart, who had some big challenges, who the, sometimes the, the football don't bounce your way all the time. And, you know, every now and again in life, there's a, there's a reason why sometimes with many of us, you know, you get the penalty called on you when you may not have committed a foul. And so, you know, but there are, there are issues in life that, that do plague us. And when I saw that, it hurt. It hurt for a lot of reasons because I'm looking at it from a law enforcement perspective and I'm seeing the guy is no longer resisting. The guy is he's yep. handcuffed. Why yep. not get him and put him in the car? You've affected the arrest. I'm looking at it as a black man who's, who's, life is is being viewed by the individual that did that as nothing. I'm looking at it as a situation of this person is not somebody I'm seeing on TV. This person is someone that I'm seeing, that I've seen personally. This is someone that I've talked to personally. So all of those things hurt and they still hurt. And yep. the difference is George Floyd is just the microcosm of a historical macrocosm that has existed in some types of behavior. And that's why it takes people who recognize those things and who have been up the rough side of the mountain that can scream from the mountaintop, that is wrong. We have to stop mm -hmm. it. And how can we collectively come together to make sure that we're changing the climate, changing the, the, the profession in a manner to where people are not screaming out, defund the police. But I understand, and, and, and I'm going to say this as a cop and as a chief of police, I understand in many ways why people are screaming at the time they were screaming defund the police because if that in some of their minds if that's what the, if that's the best they're getting they would rather do without it 
And some people think that when people are screaming, they think that it comes from a place of anger, particularly when, you know, some people don't know culture. And when you and I, if we're sitting face to face and we're talking, we're, we're riding, we may be talking loud, we may be laughing, we may be pointing, and we're not mad at all. But, but those that have not been exposed to our culture may look at us as being aggressive, violent, and we're none of those things. We're disgusting, we're passionate, and that's the difference. And so when you look at those things, and if people are looking and say, if that's the best we've got, we'd rather not have that. And not only has that been a, a, a wake up call in municipal policing or in county, state, federal level, it's also schools haven't been exempt from that. It's also been a, a clarion call inside schools to defund school police. Yep. And uh, I created a, 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 the four pillars of school policing. And I'll tell you, as we talk, I'll talk about why that makes it different. Um, because again, you can't police in schools the same way you police on the streets and parents are going to be more afraid if you're bringing officers off the streets that have that, that same mindset, yeah. or that temperament. And they're looking for, they're looking, they're looking for crimes being committed by the kids they're, 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 uh, they're supposed to protect. And they're looking inward for crime as opposed to having their having the students behind their back protecting them. You know, it, you have to have a you have to have a change of mindset, a change of perspective when it comes to these kids, because, again, you do something to one of these kids, you may be doing something to a kid who already has a, a negative view of police because the police yeah. took their door in the day before. You know, right. and they took their dad to jail. They took their uncle and mom to jail. So you have to be very careful in how you deal with these kids because the mindset that you create and you shape and mold by your behaviors creates a lasting impact. And they grow up with disdain. They grow up with, with vitriol and, and, and hatred towards police because of the experiences that they've had. And mm -hmm. I, I tell people all the time, you know, they say, well, how can we change this? And I say, well, in a lot of ways, we behaved our way into this. We're going to have to behave our way out of it. That part. That part. Yep. Yep. So why don't we just go ahead and talk about these uh, these four pillars that you created uh, for school uh, police department, educational police department. So uh, I created what's called the four pillars of school policing. And, and I'll tell you why. I think that it's so unique because, you know, we had uh, informal policing back years ago when you had communities that would come together and they would create policing strategies. They would patrol and, and, and have night watchmen protecting their property and their goods and their cattle. And then we moved into a formal policing model where you had Bolmer and um, Sir Robert Peel. They created a, 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 a modern, they were like the fathers of modern policing, but modern policing and then modern policing moved up into community oriented policing. And we've had those those transitions in policing, but there hasn't been a new era, a new change in policing. And what what I've created is what I'm calling the four pillars of school policing. And it is the it is the template. The blueprint and the template for postmodern policing and what that's built upon is safety and security is one of the pillars. And when they talk about safety and security, I'll tell you where I think historically schools have been limited. They've been limited on focusing on active shooter events and active shooter response, uh, threat mitigation, and that's where you put a lot of your emphasis. Well, safety and security is so much more than that. 
because safety and security not only includes the external and internal building hardening, but it also includes having the building those relationships with parents so that you're hearing from them what their kids are saying, what's going on in the community, yeah. what they're liking to see in their police officers. Also, safety and security is also protecting not only kids from external threats, but it's protecting them from self-harm and making sure that your officers are trained to de-escalate. Your officers are trained mm -hmm. to recognize where kids are struggling and your officers are trained in mental health as mental health officers so they can recognize when a student is in crisis. I look at how we train in law enforcement. A lot of agencies here in Texas, they go to the, 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 the firing range once, maybe twice a year. And I'll ask them, okay, that's great. How many times do you go to the firing range? Oh, we go once a year or we go twice a year. In the state of Texas, once a year is a minimum. And so I said, okay, well, how much training do you do in defensive tactics? Uh, how much training do you do in de-escalation? How much training, you know, how yep. much training do you do in mental health officer training? So you look at that, a lot of the training, a lot of the emphasis is on active shooter events, which when you consider the percentage and the likelihood of those compared to you dealing with a student in crisis or you did, it's very low. And, and the chance of you interacting with a student that has social, emotional, behavioral, uh, mental health issues is extremely high. So in that, that's why I say that the, the, the training and the safety and security has to be holistic to include much more than just the threat mitigation and active shooter response. You have to look at serving that child. The second pillar is equity. And we focus on, in education equity, you can't focus just on one race over another because you serve a diverse population. So we focus on serving the whole child, meeting every student at their need. Not, not and, and you know, some people may push back when I say, we don't look at making sure we treat every student equal because you can't treat every student equal. We need to make sure we're treating them equitable. And what do I mean by that? We had an officer that we, we, we interviewed and we asked him, what's the difference between equality and equity? He said, equality is giving every student a pair of shoes. Equity is giving every student a pair of shoes that fits. So when you look at meeting students at their need, you have to recognize that every student is different and every need is different. So your goal yeah. is to find that student and what they need to make them succeed and to give them the best chance at success because there are obstacles in their way. There have been obstacles in your way and my way, yet we've overcome those obstacles by the help of many and by the opportunities and people giving us that chance to succeed, not creating barriers that divert us immediately to the to the criminal justice system. And, right. and so our goal is to make sure that we're putting those kids' needs first. And some people say, well, if you got a kid that may not be doing good academically, um, but you got one that's doing really well in academics, focus on the one that's not doing good academic and over the other. And it's like, no, that kid that's doing well academically may need your attention. They may need you to come and watch them play. Yes. Game. They may need that kind of support. So you recognize what these students need and you give them what they need, meet them at their need so that they can succeed. The third pillar is behavioral health. Again, we want to make sure that if there's a critical incident when a student is in crisis, when it comes to social, emotional, behavioral, or mental health issues, that we're giving those students the resources that they need to help them overcome those, those critical situations so that they're not being criminalized because they're, they're lashing out through frustration, through anger, 
through seeing the mom struggling at home and you don't want anybody talking to you at school and the person that first person that goes off they punch him in the mouth and now they've got a case that compounds the problems at home and compounds the problems for the kid so you have to look and and in law enforcement one thing that we've done really well over the years when we're solving cases is we look for the who the what the where and the when but in school policing and in this model in order to help kids you have to look for the why what cause what underlying issues exist that cause them to act out or respond because there's always going to be an underlying issue and also we're making sure that not only we're helping these students when it comes to behavior help, we're providing the wraparound services to their families making sure that they meet the needs and some people yeah. may look at kids that have um, drug you know if you catch kids with with drugs in in school that is an easy arrest it is easy rest. You get the dope, you take the kid, and you go. They go to jail. Yeah, but I yeah. always say that you can, you can, you can lock up the wolf that's been killing your chicken. You can catch the wolf that's been killing your chickens and lock it up in a cage. That solves your problem, but it doesn't help the wolf. And when you think about arresting kids, that does not solve the problem because you've got a kid that's addicted to drugs. You arrest them. When they get out, they're still addicted to drugs. So I, we look at it when you got a kid that's self-medicating or they, uh, 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 they're, they're using drugs. We look at that. They're trying to escape reality. They've got social emotional issues. We look at that as a kid in crisis. And our goal is not to criminalize a kid who is struggling with life and they're, they, they're using their drugs as coping mechanisms. We want to help them get over that so that when they get to 25, they get to 30, they can look back and say, Lord, I look back and wonder how I got over you know, and they can look back yeah. and say, it was the police that helped me out of those. So that's one of the reasons we have behavioral health as the pillar. The final pillar is student advocacy. Our officers are trained to advocate for our students. If they're, if they're a critical, if, if you've got victimless crimes, particularly, if you've got victimless crimes, you've got a student that's engaged in behavior that may be recklessly responsible juvenile, and it puts them on the door. Door, the doorstep of the criminal justice system. What we're doing is we're making sure that we, we rely on the, the, the partnerships and relationships that we've already built with the district attorney's offices, the county attorney's offices, juvenile services, so that we can help these kids and we can divert them from the criminal justice system and get them the resources that they need. And they're hearing the officers advocate for them, not letting that defense attorney advocate for them. And there are many times you'll have in school settings where the administrators want a kid arrested because, again, they want to get them out of that environment because they want to restore the peace. They're going to hear us and like they have, and they will continue to hear us advocate for these students. We will not get involved in, in disciplinary matters. We will not get involved in student code of conduct matters. And if there's those, those gray areas where you have a kid that's been, for example, in a fight or mutual combatants, in, in Texas, it is it is a it is a class C misdemeanor. It's an offense, mm -hmm. and some 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 schools may want these kids written citations. We're not doing that. We we're giving it to the administrators. You handle this administrative. You get the parents involved, but law enforcement shouldn't be involved in that lens because in that at that level because if we are, we're going to be these kids are going to be hearing us saying the police don't need to be involved in this. You need to take care of this. Call their mama. That's what they're going to hear from us. And so they're and then they're going to see that we're following up with them to make sure that things are going all right with them so that they see that we have that we care. Because at the end of the day, I look at some of these kids and some of the things that they've gone through. I look at some of these families and some of the things that they've gone through. I see me. I see my family. Mm -hmm. I see 
but for the grace of God, go I, I could have been some of these people that yes, were in jail. Yes. I could have been some of these students that have been been struggling. But because I had people that saw in me and gave me the opportunity, that it looked over my faults and my flaws. We have to do that, even if it, my career, I'm, I'm in my 27th year, even in 27 years in law enforcement, if I can help one kid, I've done that, I've succeeded. There's a kid um, that we're doing a case study and there was a kid, uh, or he was not, he was, he was, he's a grown man, he was doing a case study, he was, um, I think he was like 26 years old and he talked about how he was in, in high school, he'd committed crimes and he had been arrested um, as a juvenile and then he got arrested as, as at 17 in Texas and and for marijuana, he said, and he he got the cases dismissed. So he was arrested, but there, you know, I shows up on your CCC, C, your uh, CCH, it shows up uh, one arrest or three arrests and no convictions. Yeah. So he grew up and matured and had some kids and he wanted to, to uh, uh, build a life with his kids and his family. And he would apply for jobs and he couldn't get the jobs and because he had that that criminal record no arrest mm -hmm. and he would tell him well i got arrested no no conviction he said i got arrested but i wasn't convicted and they're like well this guy didn't get arrested so yeah and so and yep. he said something that was super profound he said i wonder what i could have become had someone intervened and when you think about that you think about the opportunities that we have as 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 black and blue as administrators the opportunities that we have to create an environment to create a department that aligns yes. with that vision and mission and values so it's kind of like tupac used to say one 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 person teach two per one people teach two people three p teach four people those te those people teach more people so when you when you create an environment where yeah where yeah. they're doing that i mean I mean, the trickle down effect is like raindrops and manna from heaven. So we have that opportunity. And I think it is a waste if we as law enforcement officers, particularly black and brown and minorities and those that come from marginalized populations, if we don't seize the moment to help not only our own, but all students so that all students and even when you've got white students who if they see that you're giving more attention to one group or another, I mean, now that's inequitable. So we have to make yes. sure we treat all of our kids <laughs> yeah. the same. And it's you know, that we do that. You know, Chief, it's funny that, that you do say that because that, that is one of my shortcomings that I, I recognize. I was just telling my wife that the other day that, uh, you know, black and brown communities really, you know, see us adversely as police officers. So I kind of made it my mission when I got into the school, to this high school, was to approach these these communities these students and, and and just buddy up with them and and talk to them every day i'm out there during the passing periods i'm out there during during lunch and you know, so now they come up to me and they you know uh not only give me information but you know we chop it up we talk about you know hip-hop and we just talk about all sorts yeah. of things and i consciously am thinking now wow i'm talking to a lot of these black and brown kids I actually need to go out and talk to some of these white kids, some of these yeah. Asian kids, you know, just to let them know that, you know, I'm not for one, I'm not playing favorites, but two, you know, because in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, well, these other communities, they don't see the police negatively. So they don't need to see us that much, but that that's wrong. That is wrong though. Cause you know, that, that, you know, for one, that's, that's being uh, profiling, you know, saying that, you know, other other races don't see the police negatively or positively for that matter. You know, there are a lot of black kids that see 
the police positively. But so I need to, that's one of my shortcomings that I need to actually make sure that I, you know, that I actively go out there and, 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 and combat that, combat that. But, you know, I still love that, you know, these black and brown kids will come up to me and, you know, and, and that's not something that was, was done previously. So, you know, I'm proud of that, but I, I do need to, you know, actually go out there and make those steps to, to be more inclusive. And, and I, and I see that, and I know that. But you know, and but again, it goes back to what you what we were saying is meeting meeting all of our students at their need, and yeah. we know what we need. You know, we know what we need. We need people like you. We need people like me. We need people like us who are showing our 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 kids who have had those historically negative uh, mindsets about us and what we do and what we believe and what we're about. We need to show them that we're not that. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- those that are like that are the extreme, extreme minority in 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 law enforcement. The large majority of us getting in this, it, it's about showing and and it's about making a difference and making an impact on life. I had one of my officers. He he was a former Dallas police officer. He worked he worked uh, there, and then he he came and worked for me. And he 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 was telling us in one of our meetings um, about uh, a kid on his campus who. He, he had been trying to build a relationship with, and he was a young black male. And so this officer is a black male. And he was like, you know, chief, he said, you know, he told us in a meeting that he would, you know, he would, he would approach him and they would, they would talk and they would talk and chit chat and they would cut it up for a bit. And he said, one day he, he ended up, you know, making some great, great gains. And, and the kid, you know, initially was standoffish, but man, he was like, he, he'd go out his way to look for him. And then he said, one day he was looking for him and he wasn't there a couple of days later. And he and this again remind you this officer is talking about this in a in a staff meeting of our entire department. He said he went looking for him, he couldn't find him. He was gone for three or four days, and he said eventually he was talking to an AP and asked about it. The AP told him that this kid was shot and killed in Mississippi. Mm. And so while the officer is telling us this, this grown man, this brother stands up. I mean, gets out because he's crying. He's broken over this, and he's and he's thinking, I wish I could have done more. I, yeah. I wish there was something. I wish I could have connected with him to let him know that that life wasn't about that life. That life don't end in a good life. And yeah. uh, getting him to know that, you know, and so he was, you know, he was broken over that. And but the but the beautiful thing about it that people miss when we talk about people want to defund police. That's what you defund. You defund yeah. those that that love our kids. You defund yes. those that got in this for the right reason. And when regard and, and and so it you know we also hear about defunding police in, in schools and people not wanting police in schools here in texas we have um um the law we have uh, 37.015 and what that tells and that's in the education code it says that school districts shall call police you know and some people are like well we don't want police in schools well the law says you're going to have to call them and some may say well oh that's just because of um if there's a shooting or if there's an aggravated assault or if there's a uh, um, a major event. No, it even says drug paraphernalia. It even says possession of marijuana. Why? Because those are evidence. So you're going to have to call law enforcement. So the question comes down to if you don't want police in schools, who are you getting? Because you can't control the mindset, the training, the temperament of the officer so that you're calling in off the street. They're geared different. It's not saying that they're bad. It's just they're geared different. Yeah. You can't give a um, John Deere tractor to a uh, NASCAR racer and you can't give a NASCAR <laughs> car to a, a farmer yeah. because they won't serve their purposes. They're right. they're both good in their own right. And so 
when you talk when you talk about street officers, we're trained historically. We're trained in um, the 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 code of criminal procedure. We're trained in the penal code. We're trained in traffic law. We're trained in health and safety code. We're trained in all of those things, but we're mm-hmm. not trained well trained in how to handle juveniles. But one thing we do know is if you got drugs in a juvenile. You go and you take the drugs, you take the juvenile, you take them to the juvenile processing center, you drop them off, you drop the dope off in, at evidence, and you go back to 10-8. And yep. that, what are you getting? There's yep. zero advocacy yep. there. Yep. So when None. you have officers in the, in the school district, they're able to build those relationships. They're able to advocate for these students. They're able to, to become that accountability partner with those kids for the parents to make sure that these kids are doing the right thing. You miss out on so much if you decide you want to get rid of police in schools. Absolutely. Yeah, I have so much respect for, for departments that are dedicated to doing this for, you know, for their, you know, their whole career, you know, 20, 30 year law enforcement career. Uh, in my case, you know, it's, a, it's an assignment. It's a four year assignment. And then I move on to do something else. So, you know, much respect to, to you guys that are doing this every day for 10, 20, 30 years. Much respect. And, yeah. and, and I appreciate you. And I, and I think I, I love the I love the process that y'all have, you know, doing the four year term there because you leave there with a with a great understanding and a better appreciation uh, and a greater respect for what our kids are going through and yeah. making sure that you are that um, that pathway above and beyond those those hurdles that may stand in their way. And it's not like we you know, we're we're going out here and we're just, you know, carte blanche giving a. Uh, a free pass on all the nonsense. No, no, no. But no. here's the thing: we want to make sure that we're giving, you know, we're giving every student, every young kid, every chance possible to yes. succeed and overcome, so that they don't have to live the rest of their life having to pay for a reckless, juvenile, irresponsible decision that they made when they were in high school. Yeah, and you yeah. have people still doing that now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you talk about building relationships. I, I had a kid that I built a relationship with that eventually got expelled and had to go to a, to one of the county schools. But uh, you know, during COVID, when when the school was locked down, uh, during the distance learning, the patrol had a had a call for you know uh, a, a domestic dispute going on at this apartment complex, and I heard the name over the radio, and I said, "Oh, that's so and so. Let me go over there and see what was up." So, uh, you know, there was a the family came out. They say, you know, he's up in there. He's got a knife. He's got a weapon. with Saturn. And they surrounded the house, and you can hear him yelling, hollering, hooting uh, from the from the street. So I just rolled up and I said, hey, you know, we'll call him Johnny for this for this scenario here. It's, hey, Johnny. And he looked out. He said, Officer Peters, what's up? And he came. I said, man, come on out here. You know, and I talked to him, calling him. What's going on, oh, man? So and then we chopped it up, and it was no crime. He didn't have a weapon. He said, oh, you know what, you know, my, me and my girl, we just going through some things. Hey, man, can I take you somewhere? But without that relationship and me being a police officer as well, you know, I mean, not to say that the, the patrol couldn't have handled that uh, in the same manner. You know, it might may have taken a little bit longer and, and still safely. But, you know, me just yelling in there, hey, Johnny, it's me. Mm-hmm. Cool out. You know, yeah. chill out, man. Come on out. You know, and he, and he came out yeah. just like that. You know, those relationships in the school. It makes a difference. It really does. And and the beautiful thing about that, he didn't see that uniform. He saw you. And yes. you made that connection. I mean, in the investment in you. So he may not trust the circumstances, he may not trust the environment, he may not trust the 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 words saying and or whoever's saying to come out. He may not trust the fact that if he comes out, he's gonna come out safe. But when you were there, 
based upon that track record, based upon that relationship, he recognized that he could trust you. And if you yeah. said come out, it was okay to come out. And then that, that goes back to why it's important to build these relationships because yeah. people don't, if people don't want officers dealing with kids and they don't want kids dealing with officers in school and you want to get rid of them, guess what? Those same kids coming out of the schools potentially will deal with officers on the streets at some point. Yeah. So yep. how, why not build those relationships? Because think about how that situation could have turned out had you not been there, Dale, to, to deal with that situation. You know, I and, agree. And so that's the thing. It pays it pays dividends in them. And it also inspires them when they look at you. It's like where I grew up, the only place, the only person that I saw that was that that made it out of the hood for good was my dad. You know, and so yeah. guess what? That was the big, that was the best role model that I could see. So that's yes. what I became. You know, so some of these kids are doing the same. You know, you ask kids when they're little, what do you want to be? You want to be a fireman or a cop? They're gonna say, nope. They want to be a fireman. Nope. They don't want to be. They want. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, that's right. You know, if we, if we they don't want to be a hustler, if they don't want to be a hustler, yeah, or a rapper yeah, exactly. or, or a baller or something, exactly. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, you know, we do have that opportunity to to change the way people look and view police. And we can do it by, like I said, change it. You know, we behaved our way into this. A lot of this, we have to behave our way out of it. And, and you know, it's like one of my officers, we, we were watching a, a shooting. In, in our meetings, one of the things we do do is we go over current events. We'll talk about shootings where officers are involved in, where black officers were, or black citizens were killed by white officers. Um, and vice versa. We we talk about these things. We talk about this as a collective, diverse body. And there was a situation here in Texas where a um, a guy was breaking up a fight. A, a brother was breaking up a fight in, in Wolf City. He was breaking up a fight at a convenience store. Um, he called the police. The officer got there, and the officer, the the people that were involved in the fight, had left. And so this 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 brother stayed there and waited for the police. When the police officer got there, he was like you're drunk. And the guy's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, yes, you are. Turn around. And, and the guy said, I'm the one that called you. So the officer <laughs> grabbed the, the guy and, and the guy's like, man, get off. I haven't done anything. He tases the guy, the guy turns and he shoots and kills him. Mm. We talked about this because it's like, that's heartbreaking. When this stuff is happening so many times, something needs to change. And so we talked about, and I asked one of the questions in, in the, in the, um, in the meeting, I said, how do we change this? And one of the officers in there, she said, she said, Chief, if we're the model for school policing, and if we're going to be that model, that change has to start with us because we're right, we're on ground, we're at ground level dealing with the kids that are going to grow up to be those young men. So yep. we have an opportunity to not only to change the mindset of kids who may be like the black young man that was killed and lost his life, we also have the opportunity to change the minds and the livelihood and approach of kids that may grow up to, that could potentially have become officers like the officer that did that. Yeah. The yeah. impact that we have in law enforcement in schools is tremendous. And we're no, long gone are the days where it's like you said earlier, a job where you can retire on the job or you, you, these officers can't make it on the street, so you put them in the schools. Or these are the ones that we can do without, so we're going to give to the schools. Those days no. are those days are over with. No. It's a specialized area of law enforcement, and you have to be you got to be highly trained at a level far beyond. Because, like I said, any any patrol officer can any school district police officer can be a patrol officer, but not every patrol officer can be a school district police officer. 
Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I appreciate everything you said today. It's some good, good stuff that, that, that we got. And I hope the viewers got that as well. Uh, like I said, I have much respect for, for uh, educational law enforcement entities and, and you're doing good work over there. Appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you, Dale. And I thank you so much for what you're doing and giving, giving uh, black and blues a voice to talk <laughs> about who we are and what we do and why we do what we do. The motivation factor. Uh, is is very very important to get that message out so thank you absolutely well like i said uh you know during the pregame here and it actually real quick i want to get to you because uh earlier you had some uh some football metaphors and i know in, in texas football is king so <laughs> what what are, are you a cowboy fan you know <laughs> i used to be until tony romo came along <laughs> <laughs> what what I, th- I thought yeah. I thought Roma was the savior. Roma oh, was the bro, savior. Oh, nah. You know, when you, when you so who somebody? So who you rolling with now? That, you know, uh, I, I I I change. You know, I, I, now in Texas, what what motivates me more than the NFL? I watch a lot of college football. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's where I'm at. I'm at, I'm, I'm I'm a college football fan now. Yeah, college, college, and and high school football, all kinds of football in Texas is is yeah, it? But yeah, yeah. yeah, Friday Night Lights, that's that's Texas right there. Yeah, yeah, it no really doubt, is, no doubt, brother, nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, before I get you out of here, though, like I told you, I'm gonna test your 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 knowledge of trivia. So this game here I got for you is called uh, Black or Blue, 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 Black or Blue. Black or blue. It's called Black or Blue. Black or blue, your game today is called movie characters. Movie <laughs> characters. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a name of of a of a person that appeared in a movie, and you tell me was that character black, meaning he's just a black civilian? Is he blue, meaning he's a non-black cop, or is he black and blue like you and I, a black cop? So you got three choices: black blue or black and blue all right you'll you'll get the hang of it pretty quick all right so here's your first one here your first one is eric brooks eric brooks what do you think black blue or black black and blue he is black whoa wrong one there yes (laughs) eric brooks is blade blade that's played by wesley snipes so he is black i guess you could say he was the law you know, regulating those vampires in, in the Blade movie. Yeah, but Yeah, but you got that one right there. All right. How about your next one here? How about the Craig Jones? Craig Jones. Black and blue. Oh, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> no, that's Craig from Friday. Man, I never knew Craig's last name was Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Craig Jones. <laughs> yeah, Pops and yeah. Day Day. Yeah, Day Day. <laughs> yep, yeah, Craig Jones is, was black, all right? How about your next one? How about Daryl Ward? Daryl Ward. Daryl Ward. I'm going to go black and blue. Ah, that is correct. <laughs> Daryl Ward, played by uh, Will Smith in the movie Bright. I don't know if you ever saw that one. It was like a, some yeah, kind of futuristic... Yeah, all right. So, all right. All right. You got that one there. All right. How about your next one? How about Jack Hoyt? Jack Hoyt. Blue. He is blue. Yes. 
Jack Hoyt from Training Day, played by uh, Ethan Hawke. There. All right. Cool. Oh, you on? You on a roll here? You on a roll? How about Ron Starworth? Ron Starworth. Ron Starworth. I'm gonna say blue. Uh, that would be incorrect. Halfway there. That's black and blue. If you saw Black Klansman. Oh man, I saw that one. That's yes, actually, you know, true story. So yeah, he's yeah, exactly. more than a movie character. Yeah. So yes, yeah. he is when black and blue. Yep. Yep. Black and blue. All right. How about your next one here? How about Harry Callahan? Harry Callahan. I'm gonna say blue. He is blue. We all know Dirty Harry Callahan. No doubt. Played by uh, Clint Eastwood. Still on a roll here. How about uh, Ricky Baker? Ricky Baker. Ricky. Ricky. Ricky was black. Ricky was black. Yes. Ricky from Boys in the Hood. Running down the running down the alley. Yeah, run. <laughs> See, you know. You know for real. All right. How about uh, Billy Costigan? Billy Costigan. I have to go with a blue name on that one. Uh, that is correct. <laughs> that was from The Departed there, Leo. Yep, that was another great movie. Like that movie a lot. A couple more here for you. How about this one? You should know this. Apollo Creed. <laughs> that is black. That is definitely black. I had, to, I had to throw you an easy one there just in case. Yeah, that was, you, I'm a just, boxing fan. So I'm yeah, gonna, all right. Told me those all day long. I'll be tipped in. Yeah, no doubt. Just in case, you know, things were going kind of awry there. I had to throw you a bone there. At least one good one. A couple more. How about Russell Stevens? Russell Stevens. Black. Uh, he is black, but he's also black and blue. That's from that movie Deep Cover. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have remembered his name either. So <laughs> for 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 every easy one I throw at you, I gotta throw you a hard one. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm game, brother. I'm gonna swing, right. I'm swinging for the fences. Yeah, you are, yeah, you are. And here's your last one here. Harper Stewart. Harper Stewart. Blue. Oh, you thought you knew that one. That's uh that oh, he's man. black from the best man. Tay Diggs, oh, yeah. yes. Tay yeah. Diggs, yeah. Yep. But you know what? I think you got more right than you got wrong, so we're going to call you the winner. There you go. All right. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got more right than you got wrong there. A couple couple I had to throw you for a loop there. I thought you would have gotten Harper, though. I thought you would have gotten Harper hey, from the man, best I man. <laughs> yeah, I know the mind goes blank. Goes slip blank it, there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But you got Ricky. You got. You, yeah, you will. <laughs> Ghetto boys, hey, they from your neck of the woods, Texas. Well, I don't know about your Houston, neck of the woods. Houston, yeah, yeah H Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Willie D got a podcast too. That's pretty trippy. Does so, really? Yeah, he does. Wow. Yeah, he does. So check and that Scarface out. Scarface ran for city council there in Houston. Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah Scarface was the man. Yeah, he he had oh, lyrics. Man. I did. Yeah. yeah. One of my top. Deep deep brother right there. Yeah. All right, Chief. I I appreciate you coming on and and spousing some some great knowledge about the educational system and and law enforcement and and police work. Uh, why don't you tell everybody real quick uh, on your way out what uh, what they should know about uh, about educational law enforcement in your department on the way out here. 
Well, I think everyone should know that Round Rock ISD has created the model for school policing, and that it is going to be transformative. I'm excited about what I'm doing. I just got actually, uh, I'm actually um, writing a textbook on redefining school policing. And I think that what I'm doing in Round Rock is going to be something that you're going to see that's transcending school policing around this country. And and uh, we're we're doing what others are talking about. You know, people are saying that that law enforcement needs to change where well, we're changing. They're saying that law enforcement needs to be a different type of law enforcement in a manner to where people are serving, uh, being served and met at their need and seen as seen the human, the human equation is not being discounted. We're doing that. And I, I tell you, there's a fire that's been started here in this community um, and in this department. And we have people, we have officers that have come from uh, Chicago police department, officers from Portland, Maine, officers from, from Arizona, we've got officers coming into this department that are excited to, to align with the vision and mission. And at the end of the day, the goal is to make sure that our kids are best served and that they can have the best opportunity to succeed. Because if we have an opportunity to help them succeed and we don't, we failed and so have they. Facts, facts. All right, Chief. Love everything you said today, man. I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, you go out there and, and be safe. And, and uh, hopefully your department and, and, and everything out there will grow. And, and we'll see you on the other side. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much, Dale. And, and thank you for all you do. And you be safe as well. And keep representing, brother, because it takes I people will. like you that motivate and inspire people like me and to become people like you and I. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you, Chief. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Yes, yes, y'all. That's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank Chief Jeffrey Yarbrough of the Round Rock Independent School District Police Department for hanging out with me here today. I love everything you said here and hope you enjoyed your time with us as well. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode, make sure you give it a YouTube like or rate it five stars on whatever podcast platform you're hearing me right now. I'll be back in a couple weeks with another fantastic interview. But till then, y'all know what to do. Stay black and blue. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a Matrix Entertainment presentation.